Radical. 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 Radical women talk shit. What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to Radical Women Talk Shit. Hey, 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 it's Jamee. How are you guys doing today? This is Kat calling in with my sexy radio voice. Radio voice. And this is one of my ladies, right. Jamee. Sexy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Jamee, tell me about this conversation you had with this guy at work. Okay, so I, I made the mistake of bringing politics up at work, and I went up to a coworker and started talking to him about the Atlantic story in which Trump has disparaged the uh, fallen soldiers as losers and suckers. And I was uh, I was going over the part of the article where John Kelly is sitting in a limo with Trump and they are about to pay respects to Robert Kelly, uh, John Kelly's first son who served in the Marines and was killed in Iraq in 04. And so Trump was there as a part in order to to be there with John Kelly to pay these respects. Correct. He was there to pay the okay. respects. Okay, and that's when he said And that's when Trump looks over to Kelly and asks him what was in it for them. And John Kelly didn't respond, but later John Kelly commented that he believed the president didn't understand the sacrifice that the soldiers made for the country by joining military service and then therefore dying for their country. He doesn't see that as a fair transaction. And apparently in Trump world, this is how he thinks everything is transactional. So I, I brought this point up. I brought this point up to this coworker because I figured I am being the barbarian because I feel like John Kelly should have straight up tore his head off and shit down his throat. How dare you? <laughs> how dare you say that to a parent that is given their firstborn to this fucking country? And I'm sitting there as a mother. My firstborn went off to the army and he came back after his first uh, his first tour of duty. But I remember every day of those four years of just anxiously not wanting to hear bad news. So for Trump, the commander in chief, to sit across from this man that has given the ultimate sacrifice, your firstborn, and he can't understand what that was about. Why is he commander in chief? One. Two, why did Kelly then take a job as his chief of staff after that happened? Like, uh, that's the part that's confusing to me. And the the noises that came out of my coworker, he was like, well, well where did you hear that story from? And uh, who told you that? And, you know, he just got like really <laughs> flustered at this information. And I was just like, well, ooh, all the other stories that we've heard about Trump, you know, being negative towards veterans let's see the two or three gold star families the um john mccain when he went over to japan and they had to cover up the uh the vessel's name of john mccain's dad he didn't want to see it and they complied with it i mean because he's a petty petty baby oh he's so petty he's so petty. he's a giant petty baby 
And, you know, I think it's interesting because a lot of a lot of, you know, radical women have a, a variety of opinions on the military, most of them being negative, um, which is fine because obviously, you know, the military is asked to do a lot of stuff that we may not necessarily agree with. But what you're talking about is being a mom and you're talking about being a parent and the dude who is basically your kid's boss who who knows that the role of the military is to be the sword of the president mm -hmm. and that's how it was described to me by an ex-military old friend of mine that the military is the sword of the president correct and this dude who's supposed to wield that sword and take care of that sword asked the parent the forger of that sword what was in it for him what was the point why did he do that I don't see why he was willing to do that. Listen, whether or not you believe that the U.S. military is doing the right thing or the wrong thing, the point is, is that you are the one that's supposed to believe that they're doing it for the country. That's your job. It's the right. rest of us' job to go and criticize that. But your job is you're the president. You're supposed to recognize the sacrifice because you're the one who wields that weapon. Right. You're the one. I mean, you're responsible for those people's lives. And, you know, I remember episodes of The West Wing where... President Martin Sheen, I don't remember his name, was like talking to like a soldier before he was about to go to his death because that was his responsibility. And he was sitting there comforting this man as he was in his last minutes. And here's this dude who is literally asking the question, well, well what's in it for them? What's in it for them? And, and so it, I, I totally get it. That's this, that's some mom stuff. Like yeah. mom brings the smack down. Yeah, this, the, the whole article was a complete bombshell to a large portion of Trump's base, you know, because he goes around and he talks about how much he's done for the military. And that's his retort to the story that it's completely fake news and that um, he has, no one has done anything more for the military than him. And I'm trying to figure out, well, how is that true? Because Let's see, his uh, main points that he likes to bring up that he's done for the military is the pay raises, the annual pay raises. The military has received those since 1960. He says he, like, he, he, he likes to say that he passed the uh, Veterans Choice Act for the military that would enable veterans to select providers that are outside of the VA network. That was signed in 2014 by President Obama and Trump merely expanded upon it. So he didn't pass the legislation like he likes to say. And whenever the White House is confronted with that fact, they then come back and say, well, it's a matter of schematics. semantics. What? <laughs> I, no, those, those are two different things. And then thirdly, he likes to say that, you know, the military was completely depleted by the time he got in there and he was the one that brought in more money and got bullets back on the shelves because when he got the military, there were hardly any bullets. Those ridiculous claims that he loves to make. So I, I'm just, I figured that this is it. This should be the final nail in his coffin. But uh, it won't. This feels like the, the 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 pussy moment from 2016, where we found out uh, in, in June of 2016 that video, the Access Hollywood video, where we hear the president oh, talking yeah. about grabbing 
women by the pussy because they let you do it because you're a star. Let me tell you, if I ever walk into Donald Trump, I am the first thing I'm going to do is grab him by the balls what and balls? twist. And you can find what him. balls? The teeny tiny acorns. I'm gonna have to aim just right between just his fat meaty thighs. The, the the between the fat meaty thighs and them child birthing hips, and then the fact that he <laughs> kind of slouches forward like he's trying to protect the sight line of his gut that he thinks that we all can't see, you know, just stuff <laughs> like that. I mean, and he does dumb shit like lie about his weight. Man, we know you ain't 230 damn pounds. We can see that because that dude is clocking at least 270, 280. Listen, there's nothing wrong with being fat. Just admit it. I'm fat. It. I'm fucking fatter than Donald Trump. But see, you ain't sitting here telling people, oh yeah, I weigh 165 pounds. Look at me. You ain't doing that. You ain't doing no. <laughs> shit. No, that is a thing that some women do. They lie about their weight. I think there's no reason to do that. I don't think so either. Because what you those numbers, and only that, those numbers look different on different people. Like I right. could be sporting the 200 number and it looks just fine on me. Whereas someone else wearing 200 pounds may look different. So it's just all a matter in how it's put together on your frame. Right. Or whether or not it's all in the front. Like for me, I'm definitely carrying several babies in my gut. You scared it off all up front. Now, are you carrying <laughs> low or are you carrying high? Because I think that's like a difference. <laughs> <laughs> I think I carry it medium, just enough to look a little bit like Santa Claus in, you know, butch femme drag kind of. But, but Santa is so jolly. So that is just something that is, would just be wonderful. Yeah, but look at me. I'm jolly as hell too. <laughs> I am very jolly. <laughs> I, I really am. And with, because um, this year I was supposed to, you know, get more active and to definitely um, look at how I was exercising or not exercising, making it a point to get some more motion into my daily schedule. And with quarantine, that just really didn't help or happen, you know, with just the fact of just going to work and coming home and then uh, just the constant worry. It really wasn't high on my priority list. So that is definitely something that is going to be on the to-do list next time. For sure. I definitely gained the quarantine 15 and I worked really hard to only keep it at the quarantine 15. I had to quit drinking hard alcohol. I changed up my diet. I've been working really hard to like walk my dog extra just, you know, to keep myself moving. Because if, if I, if, if I like get out of whack again, and if I'm not doing anything, my back goes into such like problems. Oh. I, 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 I'm, I had a back surgery about four years ago for a herniated disc and carrying a herniated disc on a big fat body is not generally a good idea. And for a number of reasons, I've struggled to lose weight. And that could be a whole other topic of conversation we could talk about one day here on Radical Women Talk Shit. Oh, um, but uh, um, I, if I if I didn't at least try to keep it moving, my spine was going to fall out of my asshole. And if I, you know, I have to I have to keep it moving. I don't have a choice. So how, how long did you walk around with that herniated disc? Oh, man. All right. So so let's get into the consciousness raising question of the day, because we we're talking about medical right yeah all right so so i'll give my testimony first but let's bring up the conscious raising question of the day 
going back to the New York radical feminists uh, document of how to do consciousness raising. Let me pull this up. Yeah, we can do this part. And yes. then the joys of auto editing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh found this document on the internet way back when i was researching a lot more to conscious raising and and how like you know red stockings and kathy sarah child really like propagated this as the origin of the movement uh so this is a document from march 1975 introduction to consciousness raising and it has a whole bunch of questions for discussion and the question that we selected today was we medical care Care. Mm -hmm. So, Same questions. Thing. Have you ever been to a gynecologist? Have you ever had a bad experience with the gynecologist or any other doctor, i.e. condescending attitude, inadequate explanations, careless or brutal treatment, or sexual advances? Do you think your doctors understood your problems fully and had confidence in their treatment? And if you ever had a vaginal infection, how did it affect your feelings about yourself? So we can elect to get into or get out of what, whichever one of these questions that we want to. Um, all right. So let me tell you about the story of my issues with my back with doctors. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start with the with the the very typical American problem of I didn't have health insurance. Oh yeah, that's so I was oh yeah. Uh and let me tell you, not having health insurance is a pain in the ass for a lot of reasons. I just happen to be really lucky that I'm in New York where there's a good Medicaid program, but for a while I didn't even know about Medicaid. I didn't even know oh. I was eligible for Medicaid because that information is not necessarily available to you unless you're out there seeking resources. Right. I wasn't because I didn't know that those resources existed. Mm. So um, I was working at a, at a furniture company, the Swedish one, and I Ooh. was, I know, right? Yes, I was lifting cheap furniture uh, <laughs> and preparing deliveries for asshole customers who were super entitled um, and not do, and I wasn't even supposed to be working in that department, but I was helping out because I was given a leadership position for an extra $1 per hour, which made me a lead coworker, which was the there same you thing as a manager, but without all of the money. So, mm -hmm. but it sure felt good to <laughs> have a leadership position. Now, doesn't it? It yeah, right. does. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not without that dollars. But, um, so anyway, I, I, I did something that. I felt a twinge in my back. And then a few weeks later, this was right as I was leaving that job. A few weeks later, I started feeling sciatica down the back of my leg. Mm. Right. So at that point, I didn't have health insurance. And I was going to clinics. And I was paying because at the time I was unemployed. Uh, I was paying $60 per visit of money I didn't really have uh for clinic visits mm -hmm. and only for for me to work with residents not like experienced doctors who like had no idea what they were doing there was right. one dude i called him dr great hair he thought like i had some problem that only 80 year olds would have um, oh it was i know right but he had great hair so it was okay, okay. um <laughs> they sent me to an orthopedic at a hospital and you know when when you don't have money and you're at the clinic you know the clinic runs a different way than a regular doctor's office you can expect to go to a doctor's office and get taken pretty soon you go to a clinic you're sitting there for at least three hours yeah they schedule 15 minute appointments 
for everybody. So your appointment is like 2.45, but they're not going to see you until at least 4.15 because they have all these things backed up. And that's how every single, um, I hate to say the term ghetto clinic, but that's how it was referred to me by people at the school where I work. It runs mm -hmm. like a ghetto clinic because that's how our <clears throat> Oh, I'm familiar with how the ghetto clinics run. The ghetto oh, clinic. Yeah. So I that was brutal just for me to not get any answers. And finally, at the clinic, somebody referred me to a social worker so I could get on Medicaid. And finally, I was able to get an MRI. I was able to talk to a neurologist. I was able to get physical therapy. And then eventually, oh. after going through every other possible therapy and shot and, and uh, epidural from my back, I was able to get a back surgery. Okay. You know, but the only reason why that happened is because of Medicaid. If I didn't have Medicaid, I, I mean, I, the pain was so brutal and so chronic. I had this pain for five years. Ugh. I had this pain for five years. It was so brutal and so chronic that like I came to face to face with my mortality. Mm. Like I was drinking just to deal with it. There were times I couldn't walk. I wouldn't walk anywhere that I couldn't walk home. Mm. You know, I would go oh maybe gosh. as far as the halal cart down the street when I was living in Jamaica. And that's, and that that's it. it. Damn. So, and then uh, just how long it took to go through that whole process because of not having health insurance. I'm sure that that would have been cut down significantly. Right. And at the time I was also unemployed. So I was operating based on the last of savings that I had. And by the time I had finally gotten hired as a teacher, like I, I was down to the last couple of hundred dollars in my bank account. And, and I was, I was done. I mean, I was lucky. I was able to live at home at the time. So I didn't have rent to pay, but like I was, I had to pay for the bus to go places. I, I, I had to keep my phone on so I could try and get jobs. The money was just disappearing and, mm. you know, so it's brutal. It's brutal like that. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. So now that you have the joys of health insurance, it's, I'm sure it's definitely better. It's better in a lot of ways. Um, you know, the having health insurance didn't necessarily help me at the gyno, though, because I've gone to a lot of different gynecologists and uh, they were not always forthcoming. Mm -mm. Um, the, the experience of a transvaginal ultrasound is awkward and uncomfortable. And like, they kind of push into it, you know, because I'm large and they're like, well, we can't look at your ovaries if you don't do this. I'm like, uh, Jesus. Uh, okay. all right, go ahead, put this, this oblong thing inside of me. Like, this is going to suck. Um, it feels, it feels really, really uncomfortable. Um, and only then to find out when reading the report after that, that I had polycystic ovaries oh. and not having anybody talk to me or tell me about it and just being like, oh, could anybody have mentioned this to me at anybody. all? Just, just saying. Know. This might be part of the reason why I'm fat, part of the reason why I'm depressed, part of the reason why, you know, even though we've been playing, you know, sexual chicken, me and my yeah. fiance haven't gotten pregnant, you know, like, because <laughs> that's what it was. It was sexual chicken and and nothing happened. Um, so so it's good. To, it's good to know that uh, I Googled more information about my there you go. 
reproductive system than my my gynos, my various gynos have have told me. Oh gosh, yeah, because my first visit to the gynecologist, I was thirteen. And I had started my cycle when I was 11. And I remember going in. Oh, actually, no, I take that back. My first was, I was actually 11 and I got a yeast infection. And at first I didn't know what was happening. All I knew was I woke up one morning and holy cow, the, my whole crotch was just itchy. And it was a, it was a type of itchy that you just could not satiate with scratching right so after i think it was a day of this i finally went to my mom and told her what was going on and she took me to the gynecologist for the first time and the gynecologist explained to me what it was and it i remember it being a very pleasant experience but also we when that happened my mom was in the military so we were dealing with military health care which I still say to this day is just above and beyond top notch, but, um, that's good to hear. Yeah. (laughs) So we were, we were still under that program. So it was, it was an incredible experience as far as him educating me and it was a him. So (laughs) my first gynecologist was a man and, but it didn't feel weird because I looked at it as I had already been comfortable with going to the doctor already. So it just Mm -hmm. seemed normal you know i'd already seen men doctors before and now it was explained to me that every part of the body has a different doctor so fast forward to i say about 13 and this is when i am becoming sexually active so my mom wanted me to get on the birth control pill and got on the pill and i didn't do too well on the pill i had cystic acne um my my cramps and my cycles, they had lightened, so that was okay. But all the other symptoms just went through the roof. Acne, mood swings, weight gain. So, and then there was, uh, there was a couple of, yeah, there was a couple of cycles of different pills trying to find one. And then finally, you know, being like a young teenager, you know, I don't want to deal with all of that stuff. So I just stopped taking, I stopped taking the pill. Oh, I stopped taking it. Yes. I mean, who could blame you? That stuff sucks. I mean, the pill is brutal. It definitely is. And I just... And going through that with the whole birth control pill fiasco is how it's presented to you in the office. You know, it's presented to you as it's going to be alleviating all these other different symptoms. But all I found was that it added a whole bunch of different symptoms. And I, yeah, I, I couldn't deal with that, the, the hormonal birth control. And then after that, I went on uh, Depo-Provera. And that's that the one, shot, right? That's the shot that you take every quarter, once every three months. And it that wasn't bad. The only problem is when I initially started the Depo-Provera, I had breakthrough bleeding for about six months. And after the breakthrough period, after the breakthrough bleeding, my period stopped. It is completely oh. stopped. So was it supposed to? That's a side effect. That is mm-hmm. an a, that's a common side effect of Depo-Provera. And after a while, I didn't mind that being a side effect. 
But then after a year that I was on it, it kind of started to feel weird that, you know, I didn't have a cycle. I, it started to make me feel weird because I've been always, you know, you track your cycles, you know, and that's one of the, one of the questions the doctors ask you, you know, being a woman, when was your last cycle? And, you know, oh, well, I don't have a cycle, you know, I don't that. So um, it wasn't too bad, but then um, my doctor told me that there was a study that had come out that linked osteo, uh, that linked Depo-Provera to osteoporosis and bone loss in long-term taking of Depo-Provera. Oh no, those suck. Yeah. So after that, I kind of freeballed it uh, birth control wise and then settled on, well, actually I shouldn't say I settled on, I wasn't even looking at an IUD as a, uh, an option because I had grew up learning about the old school IUDs, the copper IUDs and all the damage that they had done. So oh yeah. I- I I wasn't that wasn't even on my radar and I went into the doctor's office and at this time I had had two children I knew that I didn't want any more children I couldn't afford any more children financially or mentally so um go into the gynecologist thinking that okay well I have two kids I'm in my 30s this should be no brainer right no this lady this is what she suggested to me instead of me getting a tubal ligation like I requested she suggested the Mirena IUD and I was just like well I don't want anymore so I don't need you know the the the, the temperate the, the the temporary benefits of the IUD you know being able to take it out in five years if I know I'm not gonna want any more children and then this lady turns to me and says well and mind you at this time I'm married all married got a whole ass fucking husband at home and this lady turns to me and says, well, you might want more children. And I said, no, I don't want any more children. And she's like, well, your husband might. No, it's not. No, 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 no. He doesn't want them either. This is what this woman said. She's like, oh, well, you, you guys might divorce and your new husband might want children. So this bitch has beholden her body, my body, my body to a man I haven't even met yet. Get the fuck out of here. No lie. And like, you, you don't even know yet if this person, you first off, you're a doctor, so it's none of your fucking business. But then like, you're saying, well, what if you get divorced and have a second husband and he wants kids? Fuck the fact that you don't want kids, but your future maybe husband in her imagination might want kids. Girl, when she said this, it was like a gut punch. I didn't know what to say because I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I was like, okay, I'm sitting here as a grown functioning adult asking this person what I want in regards to a surgical procedure because I no longer want to bear any children. And her first inkling was to see where else my uterary services could be used. That shit, I was, I just went ahead with the Morena. I didn't, I didn't realize it would have been such a fight. That, that's, it's not supposed to be, but you know, thanks Aunt Lydia for making it harder on everybody. Oh, no doubt. So you know? I, I dutifully did it. I did the, I did the Morena for, shoot, a good nine years. And then I said, you know, fuck it. 
I'm not, I don't want to do this. I know that I'm not going to want any more children, blah, blah, blah. So I went to another doctor and I was prepared this time because I'm like, okay, I'm going to get pushback and all of that. So I need to be prepared. I need to yell or get nasty if need be. So I go into the, uh, go into the GYN's office and I said, look, I want a tubal ligation. Oh, okay. Well, when do you want to schedule that for? Girl, the sail out of my, <laughs> the, the wind out of my sails just went out. It was like, oh, really? You went in there looking for a fight. It, oh, yeah. I was going to get in there. We was going to move furniture if need be. But no, she was cat. She was so understanding. And I told her everything that I was feeling because she could probably see it in my face. And I told her everything that it went down with the doctor before and all of that. And just how I even started to the, the water work seriously. Because I, I cannot tell you just how shocked and amazed I was to be talk to like that by you mean like a, a whole person mm -hmm. who gets to make their own decisions mm -hmm. as opposed to a baby maker right like did you tell the new doctor that that's what happened the previous time i did what I did, did. She, he say she it was a she dr dr lou she's amazing i she's still my doctor to this day Aww. and um she was just like, yeah, that's a common occurrence. You don't want to know how many times I hear that. And I was just like, motherfucker, that this is what we're out here. These professional people out here telling women this shit. That is that offensive. I was just like, and then the part that stuck to her was she's like, damn, she beholden your body to a man that you haven't met before. She was the one that said it like that. And mm -hmm. she's right. That's exactly yeah, what that's happened. That's exactly what happened. You know, and I was just, yeah. And I told her about the level of shock and just, I, I, I felt gaslit. Like I'm sitting here asking something that I shouldn't be asking for, a tubal ligation. And you would think that in the climate, when it comes to women's reproductive health and our responsibilities and whatnot, I figured that that is a responsible choice. It is a responsible choice. It's just this person is clearly somebody, maybe she's Christian. Maybe she thinks that it's, you know, it's uh, people are supposed to make as many babies as possible. And that comes through because unfortunately, this is not a story that's unheard of. This has happened to a lot of women um, I've even heard of it happening to lesbian women who are, have no intention of having sex and like they're, they're being prevented from having medication that might impact babies. And, you know, can I, can I cut in with a story that's similar of mine? Certainly. So I went to a man doctor, um, and it was just a regular, uh, general practitioner when I had depression. Like when, when, when I first realized that I had depression in such a way that I'm going to go and I, I need to get medicated for this. I got to try something because there's nothing in my life that sucks that bad at the moment that I was having this depression. So I'm like, all right, th this is, I need, I need a solution. And I don't think the solution is psychological. I think something else is happening. So I went to a general practitioner. He was the one I was going to previously. And I, he gave me the test for depression. He's like, yep. Okay. You have depression. So he asked me if I was planning on having children. And he asked me if I was on birth control and he asked me if I was using safety methods. And I was like, no, not really. Um, so he's like, okay, so I'm not going to give you that medicine. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a medicine that you're going to give me 
that now you're not going to give me, he's like, it could cause birth defects. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not going to get pregnant. My goal is not to get pregnant. I could just start using condoms or whatever. He was like, no, 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 no. Because I, my, my job is to first do no harm. I'm like, but you're not doing any harm because I'm not pregnant and I'm not pregnant with anything. And then he was like, no, I'm just going to give you this other thing. Uh, and I'm like, you know, if, I mean, if I got, if I got pregnant while on this medication, I could just get an abortion. I would and, he like, and he was like, no, 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 no. First do no harm. I'm like, excuse me. Right. So it turns out that he gave me Lexapro. I don't know what the other medicine was that he was ever going to give me. So I just kind of like, he insisted that he wasn't going to give me this medicine and I don't know what it was, but he wasn't going to give me this medicine on the off chance that I might have a baby that I didn't plan for, that I had no intention of planning for. And, and already was, had a contingency plan if said situation arose. Right. Because, you know, all right, that happens. It Fine. Happens. I go and get the medical procedure. It is what it is. And this, it was totally completely out of, mm. it was like out of his realm of understanding. Um, Boy. You know, because I, I couldn't use birth control. I have tried. I, I don't know how you put up with birth control for so long. It was, I was, it was rough. not good. I had my depression was so severe and it killed my libido that when I went off of birth control within two days, I felt the difference. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and let me let me tell you, I I was like dead inside and then went off. I was using the ring, too. And they're like, oh, you can have sex while on the ring. No, you can't. Oh. That shit is uncomfortable. Shit, I forgot about my my foray to the ring because that didn't last long at all. Man, no, that thing no. came out in sex. I was done. I was so embarrassed. And not my that you should be embarrassed by your birth control, but you know when it's laying there on the bed, and you know now you've got to explain to some dumbass guy what the fuck it is, right? Or I was with my ex at the time and he was like, oh, well, I mean, I can feel it. I'm like, you're not supposed to feel it. He's like, well, I can feel I it, can feel you know, it. and I could feel it, too. It's like something awkward yeah, in there. Something but, awkward. So yes. let me tell you, <laughs> I was I would then switch back to the pill and I switch back to like the ortho tricyclone, which whatever was the lowest, uh, the lowest medication. Uh, mm -hmm. And then uh, within two days that I stopped using it something turned me on and it was cardi b and megan the stallion <laughs> happening in my underwear okay because it was wet and gushy <laughs> and that's i don't know i was like whoa this hasn't happened in like eight years oh my god yeah yeah it it's was like, like magic normal vaginal function has returned <laughs> <laughs> I yeah so I I I just I I just wonder and these are just our two experiences and I just wonder world over just how bleeding terrible interactions with doctors are and women. This is something that um, the New York and Florida based organizations, National Women's Liberation, they do a lot of conversation about this. And the testimonies are identical. Like your specific story of the doctor literally not giving you the thing that you wanted on the off chance you were going to have babies again that you didn't want and that you said you didn't want. Like mm -hmm. that is so disturbingly common that like this is a problem oh yeah because and how how are we supposed to advocate for our own medical needs if doctors aren't willing to listen to us on the behest of men that aren't even existing in our lives yet not even not even that the the off chance that you go meet that guy that needs to 
I don't know, complete a bloodline or something. That <laughs> what is this, a Highlander? Like exactly. <laughs> destined to like take a sword and like cut off someone's head. Like, what is this bloodline shit? Right. And I I it just it kills me because and then I walked out. I do remember the feeling that I had walking out to my car after I spoke with that doctor and you know I walked out with an IUD as opposed to a surgical appointment for tubal ligation. I felt, well, if I walked in and wanted breast augmentation or I wanted any variety of cosmetic surgery to myself, they would have no problem with it. So why, you know, that was, it was baffling to me. It was just fucking baffling. And it felt like I was living in a chapter of the fucking Handmaid's Tale. That's seriously what it is, though, because like you're not talking about getting a cosmetic procedure. This is basic no. women's female biology healthcare. Cause I'm telling this lady that I can't, I'm mentally, I well, financially one cannot do it. Meant two, mentally, I cannot do it. I am letting you know, I would be the person that would know this information. Correct. Of course. So would be. if I'm telling you that I don't have it, I don't have the mental wherewithal. I don't have the emotional bandwidth to raise any more children. At, 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 what the fuck? And then to hear that men don't think that pregnancy is dangerous is 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 a kick in the teeth. I just read earlier this week about uh Senator Ted Cruz out of Texas. He was talking about, well, you know, with the the crisis with COVID and how regular healthcare has been brought to a standstill because of our health professionals being tack tackling COVID-19 at the moment. So other health services have slowed down. So, uh they've been upping sending out the abortion pill. And I wish I remembered what the technical name for this drug was, but it's for the uh, first trimester sequence of pills that you get within the first week or so. And uh, he was... That that sounds familiar. Or Mifepristone. Ah, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, the M. Okay. Okay, so he wants that being, he doesn't want that being sent to women at home. He what? thinks that it's a dangerous drug it's and not. that this is something that shouldn't be allowed to happen in the home. And he basically wants to make it illegal. And his argument is saying that, oh, well, pregnancy isn't dangerous to the health. No. Yes. We, ha we have the highest mortality rate for for highest maternal mortality rate in the developed world here in right. the united states and, and i'm a black woman so and right. my number is three times that number of me dying in childbirth we're talking about numbers that we should be comfortable seeing in the 1800s not now and not if we're a country that we brag about being a moral superpower and a very rich country and these are the numbers that we're sporting and then to have elected officials the ones that have the microphone to the ear of everyone else telling people that pregnancy isn't dangerous what are these women talking about i it, it just 
Well, you know, we're also talking about the same people that didn't believe for years that our, you know, our bodies were capable of having an orgasm or didn't believe for years that we we had actual pains from cramps or emotional or physical um, side effects of just having our regular bodily cycle. You know, a PMS doesn't exist. PMDD doesn't exist. You know, they think because they don't feel it, that it doesn't exist. And right. then they are in power and are able to make these decisions for us. Right. right. And it's it's nonsense because in if if we were as forward thinking as a country as we think we are, then things like the abortion pill, things like plan B, things like birth control would be available over the counter because we don't need these things gate kept. We need basic education and we need access to these materials and access at a reasonable price for these materials or free for those who can't afford it so that all women can prevent unwanted pregnancies or plan for pregnancies when they want them. Right. Right. Because I, I I find it, I, I find it insulting that, Senator Cruz uses that as a a an argument to deny that very essential service but I also find it odd that they're not saying anything about uh Viagra. Viagra doesn't treat anything. I guess right. okay, erectile dysfunction, but then isn't that nature's way of saying you should be fucking anymore? Right. And I don't Don't they hear... die from that? Like, right. Don't... You know, I didn't realize that if you couldn't have a re- erection that you were just going to straight up die. Holy shit. Some uh, can we read that study, cat? Are you familiar with that study? <laughs> Loss of dick power <laughs> results in the death of men. Right. Cuz it's like and I don't hear one peep out of any of these motherfuckers talking about Viagra, Cialis, or the other mountains of, uh, what do they call them? Male virility pills. Right? And you know what's really funny? It's it's the idea of a vasectomy. It's very normal, and I think it's very accepted. But there's still some sense of, like, if you get a vasectomy because your wife wants you to, as opposed to her getting her her tubes tied, like you're kind of less of a man. I've had that conversation once before with a friend, and I don't know how widespread this is, but there's still some aspect of this, which is like, it's insulting to men's masculinity to not be able to make babies, which is stupid. Um, and also it's, it's why aren't, why aren't more birth control methods male focused? Like, why do we have to take all of the hormones? You know what I'm saying? I read, I read somewhere where there was a male birth control pill in studies and that they terminated the study because of the side effects that it caused. But funny enough, it was the same side effects that are caused to us taking the birth control pill. Now, right. They and they were too delicate to handle it. Right. And I'm, as we're talking about this, I'm remembering a comedian of, oh gosh, I wish I remembered the comedian's name, but she did a set about if men could get pregnant, the abortion pill would be available in vending machines and it would be flavored like barbecue and cool ranch. You know? <laughs> I was like, motherfucker, so 
true. Oh, and it was just, I felt every moment. I love that joke because it was just so on point. It is. They would be available in uh, vending machines, in the bathrooms, everywhere. If they bled every month, this shit would be free and available everywhere you could fucking reach your hand out to. Yeah. Guaranteed. And I mean, we it's frustrating. It is. It is frustrating. It is frustrating. All right. Well... Let's talk about what else is happening in the world. Let's see. What else is happening? We got two things coming up to talk about. We're going to talk about what happened at Speaker's Corner. And then we're going to talk about Kenosha. Oh, my. Kenosha, Kenosha, Kenosha. It took less than five minutes from a 911 call being placed on August 23rd, reporting a domestic disturbance to an officer shooting Jacob Blake seven times in the back. In front of his three um, three young children. So naturally, the populace got pissed and took to the streets and started to protest. And uh, protest and looting had spread throughout the city. And after two days of protest, an encounter with protesters and an armed out-of-state agitator from Anoch, Illinois. So... <laughs> just 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse killed two protesters and gravely injured another. And Kyle was accepted with open arms by the Kenosha police. So um, what do you think about this? Because <laughs> I, look, the, 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 the part that is just really, and this is a serious matter, but the part that just really sticks out for me is the fact that these two events from the time that Jacob Plate was shot to Kyle Rittenhouse shooting and injuring these protesters, three days, 72 hours. That allowed the universe 72 hours to show us exactly why these people are upset, why they are protesters out in the streets demanding accountability from the police department. I don't really care what type of individual Jacob Blake was, but the behavior of the law enforcement officials that we pay through our taxes, all of us do. We do not deserve that type of service. We do not deserve a service in which officers are dispatched to a scene and within 90 seconds pumping seven shots into the back of a citizen. Whereas another citizen who is able to walk down the streets arm is coddled by police. And I think the gaslighting of the racial tensions in this country has boiled over. I don't think that the gaslighting can work anymore. It's just making people more and more angry. Mm -hmm. I have a question. Mm -hmm. Is it true that the people that Kyle Rittenhouse murdered, the protesters, were both people who had histories of like violence against women? I or read is that, that something I misread? I read that too. And I don't know the truth on that. But here's my, my problem with that. Regardless of the type of people that these folks were, nobody knew that shit as this incident was popping off. Nobody had video game vision that saw all of the stats on these people. And two, I think it's kind of disgusting to then disparage somebody who then dies afterwards. You know, I'm going to, because to me, it, it indirectly states, oh, well, he died. Oh, so what? He was a piece of shit. And with that attitude, we lose the very big picture of all of this. If this shit is happening to them, it's, it's going to happen to us. 
you can't walk around saying that oh well these situations should have happened because oh they were bad people i think the skateboard dude was a he had some domestic charges on him yeah and the other guy was uh i don't know what his there was some kind of violent something or other right and i and to be honest i didn't read more into it because at the time of that situation happening that wouldn't have played any relevancy in it period. right it's kind of like how the media like someone dies and they go and they search their records and then it's like oh well now we can justify this act of police violence happened because they there had some kind of violent history or they got arrested for xyz and as women i don't think that that's not i don't think that that's a position that we should advocate period because that shit happens to us all the time they are always looking for reasons as to why men do the shit that they do to us we are sexually assaulted the questions run down the gamut of what were you wearing? Why were you there? Who were you there to meet? Well, didn't you think it was strange that you wanted to go and meet a total stranger? The whole gambit. Right. So, Especially when you have something like sexual assault that like impacts women who, you know, women are complicated. And if women have a history of like having, you know, indiscriminate sex or if they you know told a lie to somebody once or like anything that can attack a woman's character is then used to attack her when she's a victim and that's a complexity that people forget like there's no right. perfect victim we're all human right all of us and it's like i would hate the fact that if anything happened to either one of us and the worst of us was dragged through the streets you know i I was arrested once when I was 18 for disturbing the peace. So if some- Of course you were. Of course. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're radical. Right. So that that arrest would pop the fuck up. And so something happened to me. So is that the first thing people are going to run? Oh, well, shit. When she was 18, the cops arrested her for uh, disturbing the peace. So there must be something wrong. No, that's not how we do shit at all. And I'm I'm not gonna tolerate it for these men. Period. I don't right. give a fuck what their lives were like. We're talking about this situation right here. And from my eyes, the two protesters that were shot were acting in a way that we praise every day. How many times when we were going through the thick of our school shootings, how many people did you get up and hear say? All it takes is a good guy to stop these shooters. So what I see- Oh yeah, that rhetoric. Yes. So what I see is two men that weren't armed, took it upon themselves to disarm an armed individual that they just saw shoot and murder two people. And if that's not bravery, I don't know what the fuck is. This is what you wanted from people, right? And as these protesters are trying to stop this man from killing people in the crowds, the police are focused on disparaging them and uplifting this out-of-state agitator. Because how the fuck do you go from another state to go to another state in which you have no invested interest in, armed, to be dropped off by your mom. And it's like, this shit reads like a bad SNL skit. But this is real. This is real, unfortunately. So you got this kid dropped off by his mom to a protest in which he has him or her have no invested interest in. 
They have no own property. They have no family members, none of this shit that draws them to the area, except how dare people be angry at the police shooting an unarmed citizen in broad daylight in front of his fucking kids. How dare they be mad at that? And that's all I see. And these are the same people that we just had to watch go storming armed into the Michigan courthouse because how dare they try to protect them during a pandemic or tell right. them to wear a mask. Right. How dare we? And I'm just, I'm, I'm over it. I'm over being, uh, how do I put this? I, I, I'm over being told how I should feel about things because my honest opinion, they should burn Kenosha down, burn yeah. it to the ground. Yeah. I don't blame you. You know, I, I, one thing that really frustrates me about this is when they use violence against women as a reason to justify police violence. Mm -hmm. um, because of course, a lot of people who are involved with the police are people who have committed violence against women. Of course, men commit violence against women. That's just how it is and so there's a lot of defenses for what the police officer did shooting this person seven times in the back because he had a history of domestic assault the thing is is if the police were doing what they were supposed to be doing in the first place to handle domestic assault and to prevent it from continuing to happen we wouldn't be in this situation thank you because what what happens is they don't always make arrests the first or the second or even the third time so what happens is the majority of the time it's it's they're they're leaving to come back again another day and mm -hmm. so you'll have long histories of the cops being called and then nobody being dragged away at the first sign Nope. And I don't think that that's very helpful to women. I think that if we have an issue of domestic violence, then the woman is to be believed. Even if she elects not to press charges, then he needs to be brought in and something needs to happen. Right. Because, because right now what's happening is the, the, the vast majority of domestic violence offenders, they're only arrested if they've done severe harm. In 80, I think it's 89% of uh domestic violence offenders who are arrested when there's damage it has to be severe damage as opposed to when it's like min minor damage to a person or to property then it's about 30 percent. and we actually have those statistics elsewhere but the point is is that they're not actually doing their job in the first, in first case place. and not to mention what do you do when it's your husband that's the police officer right which apparently is 40 percent of families Apparently that's a lot. That that that's a high number for me. And what makes this all so much worse is the fact that we're being, as women, we're being threatened with, oh well, you know, who are you going to call in regards to the police? But like you said, they're not doing their job in the first place. So how are you going to threaten me with something that they ain't even fucking doing in the first place? How, how does that right. work? When they they're are not taking care of these people, they're not. In, uh, I don't understand. And for all the talk of these police departments that have these programs in place and they claim that there's training and all of that, but the more and more that I see based on uh, news reports and their own statistics, y'all not doing your job anyway. So you want more money for what? Right. Yeah. <laughs> for right. what? I it's mean, like I could take the money that I'm spending to you and your piss poor service and actually do something about the homelessness issue, which we're going to have to deal with real soon. Uh -huh. Um, 
the shallow protections that were just offered to the American people are just ridiculous, I, I swear. And the fact that we don't have a federal administration that is able to coordinate this on a federal level is just disgusting. Like the executive order that was signed by President Trump two weeks ago about the uh, eviction protections he taxed the CDC with that. Why the CDC? What are they going to do to deal with evictions? Thank you. So my question is this, or my statement is this. So if he's tasking the CDC with halting evictions in the United States, then uh, is he going to sign an executive order that tasks HUD, the urban, uh, Housing and Urban Development, with putting in place a contact tracing program for COVID. I know, right? You know, this is what we're doing. So since we're going to have to, okay, so back to the original point with homelessness, we're going to have to deal with a huge issue with that. So what, we're just going to keep handing it to the police. They don't even want to de-escalate situations. So what are you indirectly saying that we should just hand off everything to this agency, these local law enforcement agencies that are acting no better than fucking stormtroopers. Basically. And they're like, I, I, I'm really just tired of like the protectorship of, of women who are acting like, well, who are you going to call at three o'clock in the morning? Like feminist current said, who are you going to call at three o'clock in the morning when you need somebody removed from your house? I'm like, I don't know, probably my brothers or my cousins or something because I can call the police and they'll show up and maybe they'll pull somebody out of my house. But mm -hmm. if I'm living in the wrong neighborhood or if I'm a person of the wrong color, they may take a couple of hours to show up. So I may already be dead. Or yep. if they come, they're just going to turn around and leave anyway, because then by then something has calmed down or, you know, maybe as a domestic violence victim, I've been gaslit into, you know, relaxing and saying well it's all over so now i can just go back to my regular life and in the end they're not actually accomplishing anything no they're not and what they are working on is just they don't want to actually do better they want our perception of them to be better so they want us to continue this perception that they are here to protect us and they're fucking not and that honestly i think people should just get comfortable with that instead of like fighting against that very thought that oh the very officer friendly isn't here to protect me yeah, let's just rip that fucking band-aid right the hell off. It's going to hurt a lot less if we do it that way. So I, I, I just, I don't understand how this threat has feet. That's where my frustration is coming from. Where, what is this? I don't know about you, but in any situation where I've had to call the police, it has been some fucked up shit. Where I got arrested for uh, for disturbing the peace, I was fighting back my ex-husband, who was very handsy. He really liked to talk with his hands. And I am protecting myself against that. The police get called. You know what happened? They took both of us away. And this is apparently yes. very common. They took both of us away because, see... He got arrested for the initial striking of me. That was the assault. Me hitting him back, that was a separate assault. No. So him coming in defense. So him coming in like trying to punch me and then me punching him back, protecting myself cuz I really don't want to get hit in the fucking face. That was an assault. That was a separate assault. So by their logic, by that logic, I should have just I, I I can't protect myself. I should just allow 
whoever to just beat my fucking face in and then call the fucking police afterwards. And mind you, 92% of police departments and sheriff departments have specific training or specific departments, sub-departments dedicated to domestic violence. And yet this is a consistent issue. And your story is not the only story. So why are women getting arrested when we can acknowledge that this is a male violence? We can acknowledge that the police aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing because they're arresting victims. How many, how many women are in jail right fucking now in there for killing their damn rapist or their abuser. How many? Right. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. 10, uh, I, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, 50, 72. I have no idea, but I get your point because we're going, we're going to prison for self-defense. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's the no message? acknowledgement. There's no acknowledgement of men are committing this violence. Men who are police officers commit this violence. I mean, listen, I grew up with a police officer for a father. And so, so, but growing growing up, and that's the thing, the same person who is telling me these things, who had very, very masculinist ideas of women, the -hmm. same guy who I'm 12 years old, he would pull over to look at a woman who's walking and wearing a short dress and saying, I like to look at her, but I wouldn't touch her with a 10 foot pole as his 12 year old Mm -hmm. daughter is sitting next to him is also like, well, you know what? When you've served 22 years as a cop, then you can tell me what's right and wrong. That's uh, what I grew up with. So I was yeah. being gaslit by the authority of a police officer telling me what is right and what what's is the way right it is. Because mm-hmm. I can't have my own opinions unless I've seen his side of the story. Never mind my own experiences. Mm-hmm. And believe me, he died before we could have these conversations. But I would, I, if I could have that you know, conversation with him now. Cat. If you were able to have these conversations with your father right now, you know that this would be the heart attack that just did a man. Cause girl, the stuff that like, you were asking him <laughs> and the, <laughs> the stuff that you yeah. bring out and then tying it with the, the current social climate too. Right. He would blow Dad. a basket. Dad, by the way, I'm definitely a little bit lesbian because I've definitely slept with women. So we're saying I'm, I'm bisexual. He's like, oh my God, you're a queer. Yeah. Yes. Oh dad, 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 I'm, I just, I want you to understand that I think that your job is full of meatheads and I think that you should be defunded. What? 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 <laughs> dad, dad, by the way, I think that it's okay to respect people of all different races. What? <laughs> Are you dating one of them? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Your dad sounds lovely. Let me tell you, I learned a lot of things from him. And I had to unlearn a lot of things from him, but that's a whole other bunch of conversations for another oh, day. Oh yeah, we will definitely have an in-depth talk on unlearning because unlearning, I don't think it's enough praise and it's hard. It's some hard, heavy lifting. For sure, for sure. And I will say definitely with the uh, conscious raising, it helps because just as we were prepping for this show, and you shared with me the document in which we got our question from. I'm reading through the questions and it was hard to just 
stop to focus on okay the show and not me because i was pulling apart my own experiences as i'm reading through these questions and it'll bring up some perspectives perspectives that you didn't quite have a handle on or it's presented to you in a new light in which it takes a different form you know like case in point with my experience with the uh, gynecologist uh it was the guy the new gynecologist that stated oh well she beholden your body to a man that you hadn't even met yet you know I think, right that's the great thing about consciousness raising because consciousness raising comes out of like the oldest like school of the second wave feminists and and the civil rights activists and what's great about it is that it's not therapeutic it's not meant to be therapeutic and some people treat it like it's therapeutic but it's not it's evidence-based testimony based on one's personal experiences and not interpretations of experiences that are not your own there so you go, it is your own story and from that you develop a summary and that summary becomes where where the personal turns into the political because that's where we discover that the problems that we're experiencing are not individual problems but problems that we all share socially systemically um politically and uh that was real that's really the power of radical consciousness raising and why we kind of need to bring it back and you know this radio show is not this pop this radio show you're ah! tuned in to 99.4 we are showing our age i love it <laughs> right um but this podcast is it's um you know conscious raising works best when you have several women meeting on a regular basis and maybe that's something we can do we'll get some listeners we'll organize some weekly conscious raising we'll do like eight weeks eight questions and you know it really encourages an act of reflection but not an act of, re of emotional reflection it's just your experience. I like that. And, you know, and from that, really, it's that's powerful to look back on your experiences and to have a reflective practice. That's just the thing that also I have to do as a teacher. Look back at what happened in the classroom. Did it work? Did it not work? You know, did I have the impact that I wanted to have? And then fix it until I can have the things that I want and do the things that I want successfully. That's reflective practice. And feminism is a reflective practice in that regard. Right. 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 So speaking of go oh, yes yeah i was gonna say speaking of reflective practice do we want to talk about uh let's talk about what happened some big news <sighs> that was happening in the world of radical feminism or gender critical feminism as it were or gender criticism as it were because some people don't wouldn't consider that feminist either True. um but there was a protest in the last weekend of October at Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park over there uh, in London. I think that's uh, in England, or yeah. is that how you say it? England? England. No, England. Across, across the pond. Ac yeah. Across the pond. Um, <laughs> and Speaker's Corner is apparently first off it's awesome i would go to speaker's corner every day just to talk shit about whatever i um, know i i'm i'm down with that too because all you need to go is just go bring a chair or a stool or a box and stand on it and just say some shit and i could just i could just go to speaker's corner and be like hey everybody yeah. apples are stupid change my mind stuck. here's why okay stupid they have pits their skin is gross no um, no, I would get in there. I, I kid you not. I would stand on a box and just rage on about kitten heels. <laughs> Girl, uh, why? When I, you know what? Kitten heels were those things that you got when you were 12 
and you would get your little pretty dress to get dressed up to go to church or some other family function. And your mom or your grandma would see the cute little shoes and they had a little half inch heel so you can feel grown up. But to see grown women still wearing these things, it just hurts <laughs> my soul. That's just one of my weird pet peeves, but I hate the fucking kitten heel. It's the really? time and the place, and it's between the ages of 10 and 12. <laughs> <laughs> I could see you. And you know what? I would put up a box next to you, and then I would start complaining about toe ring. No. <laughs> Are we doing that again? Are we going to throw rings again? Is that happening? Because I thought... Not if I have anything to say about it. Because I saw way too many toe rings in the 90s, and that was probably one of the things that I just couldn't... And I tried it for a bit, but it don't feel right on my toes. I can't. Yeah, no, that sounds uncomfortable. But anyway, so um, these famous gender critical women who are not actively, they don't identify themselves as radical feminists necessarily, or at least Posey Parker doesn't. Um, they went and they organized a protest. Um, uh, uh, I think the organization is Standing for Women. Mm -hmm. um, and they organized a protest basically talking about women's sex-based rights in the UK. Um, and so they, they had like a setup and they were like standing on a stool and they were all speaking. And then at the same time, there was a Black Lives Matter protest. And the Black Lives Matter protesters, when you see in the video, were watching, they were walking past and they started to argue with each other. And so what you're seeing, what I saw in the video is you had protesters yelling like, fuck you. You had protesters yelling, trans women are men. Trans women are men. Trans women are men. What uh, side was that? Pro wait, what side was saying that? That was that was the gender critical side. The gender critical side. They okay, started gotcha. shouting that at the Black Lives Matter protesters, okay. and it started to seem like it was getting some type of physical. People were pushing each other. There was one protester with a megaphone who was chanting Black Lives Matter, but was like keeping other people behind her from attacking. Um, any of the gender critical protesters because it was like, she's a woman, leave her. And that was that happened in the video. Um, people were giving the finger back and forth to each other. There was this cool woman who just, she looked so cool. I don't know like who she was, but she had like these rings in her face and she had dreads and she was just holding the crowd back and her face was like stoic. She's like, yep, yep. That's what we're doing. She, she's like the most chill bouncer at the protest. <laughs> and see, as a bouncer, she was doing right. As a bouncer, that's what you have to be chill so the chants that went back and forth were like trans women are men trans women are men trans Ooh. rights are men's rights women's lives matters and um the male protesters were like we won't listen to ignorance it was a really big and busy park and i i, I noticed like there's a lot of other videos from what happened because i wanted to get behind what happened because what it looks like initially is that the Black Lives Matter protesters crashed the gender critical protesters and mm -hmm. tried to like ruin their parade? That's and what I, it looked like to me. That's what it looks like. But right? then we, we, we I know, don't know if that would actually happen. But okay, when I watched the video, this is what the conclusion I came up with was that they did crash it because, or the Black Lives, Black Lives Matter protesters did crash it 
because their Black Lives Matter is huge. It's the trans lives. I remember when I told and you, they are. and I had always had the question of, okay, well, if we're talking about Black lives, it's suffice to say that we mean all Black lives, but then they make the differentiator of Black tra trans lives matter. So right off the bat, that gave me a clue that this is more trans-headed than racial issues. That was my opinion. Right. So, which is, I mean, that this is based on what I've seen so far. Right. And so to and me, the gender critical feminists standing up there are talking about, you know, uh, uh, trans rights or men's rights and all of that. Women are, women lives matter. I feel like the black lives matter. People would have taken a major offense to that. And yeah, would have made moves to shut their ignorance up of the gender critical. That's how I read the whole video. Right, right. And I can <clears throat> definitely see that from the way that the video looks, because it looks like they're pushing into the gender protesters. And it looks like the back and forth that, that's happening is, you know, there's these two like non-binary hipster looking kids. Um, and they're arguing. And one one woman says to them, like, that you think tits make you a woman? Don't think so, mate. You know, what is a woman? Woman is not a feeling. It's a circular argument. And, you know, these are things that we see each other saying. And right. um, they're not necessarily wrong. But what I uncovered that really was kind of strange to me was that there were some men who seemed to be like, like right wing type men who are like, like anti-socialist or anti-Marxist kind of men. One was sent in, communism has killed a hundred million people. Don't believe the Marxists. And, and they were in like support with this group. And then the thing that really bothered me was um, a protester named Venice Allen. She looks like a discount. Yeah. You can, like when you look at her face. She is. I, she started shouting, go worship dick, go worship your penis. I'm familiar with Take a pole with of Venice, penis around yes. you. Right? I'm familiar Go with worship her. dick, go worship dick. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this is a young girl here. There's, she was saying this at this, this young black woman with blue hair. They're in this, this protest. They believe that they're acting on behalf of, of women, black people and women. Mm -hmm. And this Venice Allen is telling this kid to go and worship Dick. And I think that's so reductive. It is. I don't, I mean, and this, I get, we have to have a comment. Oh yeah. We had to talk about that because I get where the spirit of Venice and where it was coming from, why she said it, you know, because that's our way mm -hmm. of saying, oh, you handmaiden, you this, you aunt Lydia and all of the derogatory terms that we give uh, women and agents of patriarchy. But I think it was reductive as well because, come on, man, you scream, you see the age of that girl. Right. Come on. Right. That's the kid. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're like a, probably a 40, 50 plus woman. And that woman, that young woman is definitely in her early twenties. She doesn't know everything yet. And even if she did, that's not something that you shout at somebody. This is not a productive argument. No. And from what I could tell. And then, and then here's the thing, when it seems like BLM is the one crashing them, apparently they knew that BLM was going to be there and they anticipated egging them on. Uh -huh. Like they, so there was a video with um, mm -hmm. Christian fundamentalist Brit named Kay Soko, who is like super Christian Jesus. Um, 
And basically, they they when they saw Black Lives Matter walk past, that's when they started chanting, trans women are men. They ah. egged them on. So they wanted the conflict. Oh. And, and so I think that's important to the narrative because they wanted to create this argument going back and forth, which I totally see being a good thing to do if your argument is productive. And if you're talking to these people with empathy and saying, you're marching because people are dying. We're saying there's an issue with law that's getting in the way of women having our rights. And that this in some cases leads to us dying, mm -hmm. right? Because we're talking about people who might be violent. We're talking about people who have histories of sexual violence who then can transition and hide their history yeah. or go on the wrong side of a prison. And and I, this is a complex and, and, and uh, controversial topic. But I think that there's a way that we could talk about it where we're respecting everybody on every side. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that say, saying go worship Dick is not a particularly it's, productive thing to say. No, no, because it's like there's so many finer points that you could be yelling out and this is what you choose to yell out. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's what happens when you when you try and and like <laughs> sift everything down into a chant. But yeah, it, it is more complex than that. And it has to be more complex than that. Otherwise, the people who are supporting you are not thinking with complexity. And the result is ignorance. Mm -hmm. Nope. And to me, instead of highlighting those issues that we just brought up, the emphasis has been focused on, oh, Black Lives Matter protesters are violent. Right. And that's really what they're trying to get across. That's mm -hmm. a really upsetting thing to say, oh, well, Black Lives Matter protesters are violent. And, and you know what's really funny? Seeing that in radical groups, in radical conversations, where you have women who are arguing about, well, they are violent, they're destroying property, and not at all looking at the conditions of, and this is not specifically to hide corner. This is also, we're talking about Minneapolis and talking about Kenosha and talking about everything. Like, of course, these people are destroying property. They're pissed. And because people are destroying their lives, mm -hmm. property can be rebuilt. Replaced. Lives can't. Right. And that's, that's, you know? the, that's the finer point. And I think that's what separates it for me. When it comes to the issue, they want you focused on property damage versus these people are pissed that another one of their citizens is dead at the hands of somebody they pay to protect, period. Or I shouldn't even say right. protect, serve. People that you pay to right. serve. And I right. And I thought all of us were in this together as Americans. We're dealing with this shit together. And that's where the high offense lies. And for folks to just get you focused on, well, they're tearing things up and oh my God. Oh, so that means you have to sit here and try to argue the humanity of another person. And I'm so exhausted with that. Mm -hmm. So that's how I've yeah, just been right. separating. It's like, look, if you want to sit here and put buildings and pavement and other shit above a person's life you know what i have nothing to say to you there's no constructive argument that we can have at this point right and i think what's worse is that we know that the most visible aspect of this issue is men and it's violence that's killing black men caused by police officers but what people are not understanding is that behind that is the lesser known 
but still occurring violence that occurs against women, primarily mm -hmm. black women, native women, Hispanic women. Right. And women with, with same shit just like these fucking dudes do. And these people had the audacity to sit here and threaten us. So what happens to the police if they're not there? The same motherfucking thing that's been happening. Jesus. Right. And so to say like, <laughs> this is not, you know, Black Lives Matter protesters at every protest I've been to have, have done work in making sure that they're supporting Crenshaw's Say Her Name, mm -hmm. that they're trying to support Breonna Taylor, that they're, they're, they're trying to make these things known. And it's not universal and it's not perfect. And there's always going to be questions of misogyny within that movement. Um, but you all are not doing the job, you nope. know? Ain't like, doing the job in the first place. You know, if if the if the 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 movement for gender wants to talk about women's lives, it is a very um, white centered kind of movement. Yeah, yeah. You know, right. because I don't think that they care at all about what impact um, police violence has on 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 women. It's just easier to say Black Lives Matter is violent rather yeah. than. He's being the actual people who are trying to say, hey, stop killing black women and black men. Right. And it's like, there's levels to this stuff. I mean, when, how long do you have to see this stuff? I mean, it's, it's easy for a certain segment of population within this country to completely ignore what's happening. And they'd like to write it off as that we're violent. We deserve it. You know, this is how we choose to live. So it completely absolves them from having to think about it. But at the end of the day, when they're done with us, they're coming for you. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Radical, 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 rad